Welcome to Stuff We Love Podcast. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the season finale of the Stuff We Love Podcast. On this very special episode, we will welcome to the show several wonderful individuals, all returning guests to the show. They are the hosts of the Butter and Bacon Podcast. I should say Butter and Bacon, the Good Stuff of Disney Podcast. If you listen to us, you've heard them many times before. Let's start with Paul. Paul, how are you this evening? I am doing well on this fine summer's eve. How are you, Scott? I'm doing very well. Uh, thank you, Paul, for mentioning my name. I forgot to introduce myself. I am Scott, host <laughs> of Stuff We Love podcast. Then we have Nick. Nick, how are you? For each other. We look out for each other. That's right. Nick, I'm giggling how are you doing? now. What? I'm doing great. I was giggling. <laughs> I'm doing great. That's It's great to have you on the show. Uh, and then here tonight to give a trip report about his recent visit to Walt Disney World, the place we all love talking about is Dean. Dean, how are you this evening? I'm doing great, Scott. And you know, you are the returning champion tonight. Uh, you, you never give yourself that Aaron Judge MVP-like credit that you deserve. Thank you very much. Uh, Yankees are currently winning 3 nothing. I don't know if Judge hit a home run tonight. He's sitting possible. out the, much like me for the last half hour, he's sitting out the game, but uh, hopefully, really? he'll make well, that's, a, hopefully he will be, make an appearance. Our listeners probably think the same thing of me hosting this podcast. <laughs> Not on the A game tonight, but anyhow, um, it's great to be with you guys. As always, I'm really happy you're here. And uh, before we get to the podcast, your summers are going well. Everything good? Yeah, I can't complain. Got uh, enthusiastic. Yeah, everybody's enthusiastic. Um, I, I, you know, we had some renovations done with the pool, which is great. So you know, he, new heater, new liner, and. Uh, living life outside as much as I can. And the New Jersey summers have been fantastic. High 70s, low 80s lately. Indeed. Let me ask you guys a question and then we'll get to the trip report. Is there a, a band or a song that when it's summertime, you put it on every season? Like you love listening to them in the summer. Does anything stick out to you? I think I skew more country in the summer. Oh, there you go. Not, not a particular band, obviously, but a genre. Is it is it the Caribbean country? Is it like the Zach Brown band? Kenny yeah, Chichini? exactly. Yeah, <laughs> the 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 shoes off radio version. You know, a little Jimmy Buffett and Zach Brown and Kenny Chesney. And uh, summer starts. Uh, controversial statement given who sings it, but uh, summer starts with the uh, the Will Smith song for summertime. So nice. Well, how about you? Uh, I was just going to say, I, I will play on a regular basis Into Yesterday by Sugar Ray, which is off the Surf's Up soundtrack. That is a preview of tonight's uh, trip report. Oh, Nick, how about you? What's your summer go-to music other than the music of the Stuff We Love podcast? Yeah, I just listen to podcasts. I don't ever listen to music. <laughs> so, Nick, when you listen to podcasts, do you listen at like two times speed? So everybody talks like this really, really fast and high-pitched. I do not. I cannot. I don't like that. See, for me, it depends on the podcast because mm -hmm. I, some folks, I, I think, speak relatively quickly, like the guys on this show. Other podcasts I listen to, I can go up to you know one and a half, two times speed, and then it sounds like they're from the Northeast. Valid. So, Dean, we're here tonight to talk about your trip. I'm going to just I, I was thinking how we could do this because we could do a trip report where we go, OK, restaurant by restaurant. First, you ate here, then there, for example, or then you stayed here and then this hotel. But I'm just going to go jump around. And uh, I would like to ask Paul and Nick to help me jump around like House of Pain here while we uh, ask you these questions. <laughs> so, Dean, tell you, us, let's you be made Paul and jump right out of his seat. 
Yeah, Paul's left the show. He's back. Okay, he really jumped. <laughs> he, was, he was turning his pants around to do his jump around, true crisscross style. Yeah. All right, so, Dean, let's begin. Tell us about the basics of your trip. How many nights were you in Orlando? So, yeah, if, if we went, like you mentioned, restaurant right by restaurant and uh, park by park, I think we'd be here through your summer hiatus. Um, it was an 11-night trip. So we, uh, we, we took off on June 21st and got home on July 1st. And we booked through Adventurers Out There Travel. I uh, used my favorite travel agent, my wife, uh, to book the trip. And um, we, we actually weren't planning on going as long as we did. Uh, not that it was much shorter. We planned on doing a 10-night trip. And then uh, when I brilliantly booked this trip, I booked resort first, then went to do airfare. And found that flying home, uh, flying out a day earlier would save us somewhere in the neighborhood of, of almost $150 per person. And my traveling party was three. So it's my wife, myself, and my son, who is now 12. So for $450 savings, we said, well, that's that's just Disney math says we have to go a night earlier. <laughs> so and that's exactly what we did. We changed our flight. Uh, but at that point, we had settled into a, a split stay doing five nights at the Grand Floridian and then five nights at the boardwalk. And our, our motivation there was really twofold. One, I haven't stayed at the Grand since my honeymoon 19 years ago. Mm-hmm. Happy anniversary, Polly, last week. Uh, and happy anniversary to you as well. Thank Just you, sir. To each other and not the same year. No. Um, and so with that in mind, we, we said, okay, well, you know, we're, we're already booked into the, the first half of our stay being at the Grand because we haven't done that in 19 years. So, and we wanted to be near Magic Kingdom. Second half staying at Boardwalk, so we'd have that easy accessibility to two other parks. Uh, when we tried to add a night to our Boardwalk stay, it was not available. And so we did the, the uh, I think for our second time uh, of a three resort stay. And I said, well, if we're going to stay somewhere new or somewhere for one night, let's stay somewhere new. And I've never stayed in an all-star resort. So threw the option out to my son, said, where are you staying? And the kid who played baseball eight days a week this past spring, not surprisingly, chose All-Star Sports. Was that a Beatles reference for me, eight days a week? I'm trying for you, buddy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And we could talk about this yesterday if you want. <laughs> we could work it out one way or another. <laughs> you, you love me, do. I know. <laughs> uh, all right, Dean, first question for you. Uh, how was All-Stars? You know, All-Stars gets a, a, a bad reputation, I think, out there. I think it's it's kind of split um, and folks that either live and die by saying, I'm going to stay at a value resort. And often the argument for that is, well, I'm only going to be at the parks all day. I mean, I'm going to wake up, rope drop, I'm going to stay till close. I don't care about my resort. Uh, or there's folks who just say, I'll never stay at a value. Uh, but if I do, it's going to be pop century. So um, I was actually really happy with all-star sports. We drove around to, to make sure we saw all three and then we walked for a while to, to see all three. And I will say uh, the rate we got was a, I believe it was the Disney plus discounts. So it was like 25% off. We paid 162 for one night. And, and, you know, again, being in the Northeast, I work in New York city. I'm used to hotel rates two to three times that being normal, like just because I need to go to work one day, it, it costs twice that much. So at 160 a night, you get a Disney resort. This is very much a Disney resort. I think it gets underrated as to how good the all-stars are. Now I w- will fully admit the room size is smaller. Uh, if I was in uh, just a couple, so you know, not with a third person in tow, uh, if I was you know, a couple of friends that wanted to split a room uh, to go on vacation together or to go for a race weekend, something like that, All Star is a fantastic place to stay. Um, you, know, you don't have a restaurant on site. The food court's big. 
The arcade is big. The arcade destroys what they offer at the Grand Floridian of the Boardwalk. Um, pool doesn't have a slide. Is that really critical? For some people, yes. For others, no. Uh, but I will tell you this, Scott. I've never stayed at an all-star before. I would definitely stay again. And if the difference between me having a vacation is I can stay at the all-star or not go, I'm totally staying at the all-star. Like, I've heard people say that before. Like, I'm going to wait till I can save up and stay at a moderate. N- not a problem at all. You know, when, when you go to the uh, parks, the parks treat you just the same, whether you came from all-star or Grand Floridian. And I did it on back-to-back nights. So I can tell you with, with experience, there's no difference there, except mm-hmm. if you want to stay late night. Right, right. And did you take advantage of that on this trip when you were absolutely out of the not? <laughs> okay. We had full intention of we, we were so uh, for folks that don't know right now they're offering a and uh, basically an extra magic hour evening uh, if you stay at a deluxe resort and I believe it was Wednesdays at Magic Kingdom Mondays at Epcot. Uh, we thought, oh well, look at this. Our second night, we're going to be right there at Magic Kingdom. We're definitely going to go in for the extra magic hour. Never did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll do it next week. We'll drive over for it or take the bus over. We never did that either. And then that Monday, uh, my son was actually a little under the weather, so we did not take advantage of the Epcot one either. Even though I had a Guardians uh, Fast Pass or uh, Disney Genie Plus uh, lined up. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a cool option. I know it's relatively controversial. We've talked about it before. I have no issue with the fact that it exists, and uh, I don't know how popular it is. I mean, I, I think it's it's relatively popular that folks do it, but mm-hmm. it's not like going to a party night where it's crowded. Uh, so everything I've heard and read about says the lines are non-existent, and that's pretty cool that so you get an opportunity to do that, but we didn't take advantage of it. I got one more question for you, and then we'll turn it over to Paul and Nick to uh, ask a random question, which <laughs> Nick it look, doesn't look thrilled about. <laughs> the answer is polite pig, Nick. Polite pig. Um, Tell us about the Guardians coaster. So Guardians, so uh, our experience was uh, we, we went into this and, and I don't know if we talked about it on here or just offline. Uh, I was not going to pay for Genie Plus individual lightning lane. I just didn't want to spend money on it. And, uh, you know, you get into that vacation mode and, and it's all of a sudden, you know, you're buying popcorn buckets that you're never going to look at again. So it, it changes when you're down there. But the, the game plan going in was no reason we can't rope drop, um, Seven Doors Mine Train, which we did. Uh, no reason we can't rope drop Avatar, which we did, Flight of Passage. Uh, we said Guardians, we're going to shoot for the individual Lightning Lane um, yeah, through the regular, if you, if we can. And if, or sorry, not the individual, the regular Lightning Lane, if we can, because it was available. Otherwise, you pay for it. And so I was up at seven o'clock, and at seven o'clock and three seconds, I was just jamming that button. Uh, we got a boarding pass, so I didn't have to pay for it. Um, it when we got off that, now, I guess a little backstory. I'm not the biggest Guardians fan. I like all the Marvel movies. I'm not a diehard Marvel guy. There's a couple movies I haven't seen yet. Uh, Guardians have never been my favorite. Didn't really relate to them. You know, they weren't popular growing up. I'm more of like a Captain America, Iron Man kind of Marvel guy. Uh, my son has never seen the movies. Um, my wife says I'm not going to have him watch a movie with a swearing squirrel and a talking tree. Uh, so... <laughs> I want to give you that backdrop to tell you we got off that ride and and my son looked at me and said, that is my new favorite attraction in any park I've ever been in ever. Mm. Uh, it is a roller coaster. It is. I don't know how to describe. I mean, I'm not a cute my Paul, you're more of a roller coaster guy. You've been on a lot more roller coasters in life than I have. I, I've never been on a roller coaster. The only word I can use for every other roller coaster I've ever ridden is rickety. You know, it's always a little choppy, a little that chain motion, it feels like that's pulling you up the hill. This isn't that. This is like smooth. This is 
the motion and, and it rotates, it goes backwards, it launches. Everything about this ride was intense in a smooth and not terrifying way. There's no upside down. Um, the storyline is is basically dinosaur, if you will. Um, get in, get out before something goes wrong mentality. And I don't think I'm spoiling anything to mention that. Uh, but there's a storyline behind it, like any good Disney ride. But just you, not knowing any of that, not having any relation to the character. My son said this was an amazing attraction. I agree with him. It was mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, I would have loved to have gotten on it again. We only got it on once for the trip. I did have another day of, of having a pass. And that's the day my son wasn't feeling well and we didn't go back for it. Um, can't wait to go down there and ride that attraction again. Great summary. That's that's terrific. Good for you to get on. There. Yeah. And while we're talking about individual lightning lane, the one we did pay for was Rise of the Resistance. Um, the day we were going to go there, we just didn't get there to rope drop quite that early. Uh, the line was already building. And so we went ahead and paid for that. Mr. Paul has a question. I see him raising his hand on the Zoom. Uh, I do. So, so the interesting thing, um, even with your boarding pass, how long was the wait in the queue? Because from what I've seen, and again, I'm, I'm not going to give spoilers away. Um, for those people that want to remain kind of unclean. But from what I've seen, the pre-show is part of the show. Yes. Um, And there are some people, I believe, that did the preview that said that they felt like they didn't get enough time to appreciate all of the things in the pre-show. It's not even in the pre-show, in the queue, because there wasn't enough of a line. So, like, with your boarding pass... Is it? Yeah, no, I, I get your question. Yeah, I, I, we did not have that issue, I guess. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I didn't clock it. I would guess from the time we walked in. So, you know, you get, you get the call. It's like, hey, come back in the next hour. Um, what was cool about that is I, I believe we were boarding group 49. And so the original estimate was that we would be called back at 1255. We got called back at about 1030. Oh, um, and we were staying in Epcot that day. We had just done Test Track. We had already done Soarin'. Uh, so, you know, we we're, were making our way around the attractions. And, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was probably a 20 to 25-minute queue experience. Um, and not time wasted. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's a – it, I could see if you had to wait in a regular line. I mean, the, the, at one point during our, our stay, that standby line was enormous, you know, three, hour, three hours plus. Uh, I wouldn't want to do that. I wouldn't want to do that for any attraction unless there's a chance for cash at the end. So maybe I'm just impatient. I, I know I'll go back and get a chance. Um, but the, um, the, yeah, the queue was really interesting. It's really cool. It helps build the story. It helps give you familiarity for someone who doesn't have any understanding of these characters. Um, it, it's a really neat renovation to the space and an obviously a big addition to that space. So the queue was was really neat to experience. Uh, it's a good part of the, the attraction. And I'll give you a, a, a comparison to that. This trip is the first time I ever rode Flight of Passage standby. Uh, you know, regular, regular wait in line. I, I've always done Fast Pass for that. I'd never experienced that queue before. I didn't realize how awesome it was. <laughs> so that's probably a good comparison that like to go through that queue and get that experience and see all the build up and see all the, the tech behind it. Um, leads you into a better understanding of what they're doing in that whole attraction. I feel the same way with Guardians. How yeah, long did, sorry, Paul, go ahead. Good. Oh, I'm sorry. That was one of the reasons that I wanted to ask because when we went down um, on our last trip, and you know, it's been a while, um, but Flight of Passage had been open, I think, for a month. So we went at Rope Drop, and I believe we waited about three and a half hours 
um, for the attraction, which, you know, uh, I personally, once we got off of the, the, the queue actually took us all the way over to the Dawa bar and back. Um, wow. An idea of how long the external queue was. Once we entered the actual queue for Flight of Passage, I was completely immersed and entertained by what I could see. And yeah. from what I understand from the people that did, again, like I said, like the previews, um, I haven't watched like a walkthrough or anything like that. Um, just because I haven't had, yeah, I just haven't had the need to go see it yet. Um, but from everything I understand, it, it's exactly like what you described, that it that it augments the story, it adds the story, it helps with the buildup, and it is absolutely not boring if you're in there for about a half an hour. And that's about what we were. We were probably around 25 minutes, half an hour, even after, you know, having the, the Genie Plus call. And once we got in the building, it was probably, you know, 25 minutes or so through the whole thing. Yeah, very cool. The uh, only ride I waited three and a half hours for was Rocket Rods. You waited three and a half hours for Rocket Rods. <laughs> wow. And for those who don't know, Rocket Rods was the ill-fated replacement of the Disneyland People Mover. It was the worst thing ever. It would go from, what, two to three miles an hour in the corners to about 20 miles an hour in the street. Yeah, you would, they, didn't, they didn't bank the curve, so you would, it would take off, slam on the brakes, roll through the curves, take <laughs> off, slam on the brakes, roll through the curve. It was horrible. So it was driving with my mother-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> and we got off and I was like, I can't believe we lost the people who were for that. And I waited three and a half hours. Right. Right. Only for it to close in like what, two years, three years, something yeah, like that. It wasn't open that long. No. So Dean, uh, just one question about the guardians. I'm going to list other Disney world coasters and tell me which of the coasters guardians are the one I mentioned is more intense. Okay. Guardians or Space Mountain? It, it's close. They're a little different, but I'll say Guardians is slightly more intense. Guardians or Slinky Dog? Uh, de definitely Guardians. Guardians, Big Thunder. Guardians. Guardians, Expedition Everest. Um, that's a really good comparison for intensity level. Mm -hmm. I might say it, it's a little unfair. I've, I've written Everest, you know, a dozen or more times, probably 20 times at this point. I've ridden Guardians exactly once. Fair. I'll say, I'll say from a, a sort of a reaction from my son, Everest got him more. So I'll say mm -hmm. Everest is more intense, but it's, I, I could see someone saying Guardians is more intense. Guardians or Mind Train? Oh, definitely Guardians. Guardians or, bar or bar Barnstormer, obviously Guardians. <laughs> Barnstormer by far, because <laughs> my knees hit the front of that thing when I sit in it. Right. <laughs> I get banged around. You might fall out. Yeah, yeah I feel I like I'm going to fall out. Am and I, and I also feel like I'm going to hit my head when we go through the billboard. They have to get the jaws of life to cut them out of the <laughs> Barnstormer. See, and it's interesting that you compared it to Everest on an intensity level because I've maintained that, you know, and I'm, I'm a coaster enthusiast from, from from everywhere. So, like, I've been on King Ka, which was was at one point the world's tallest and fastest roller coaster. Now I think it's just the tallest. Um, it goes 128 miles an hour and goes 405 wow. feet up. Um I would put Everest on the ranking of all roller coaster intensities at about a six on a scale of one to 10 um, at six flags, right? Adventure. If you're right, nitro, that's probably more like an eight. If you're right, El Toro, that's probably a nine. King to cause probably a nine. 
the, the um, only ride I think in Disney that's clearly more intense would be Rock and Roller Coaster. I was okay. going to ask that next. Yeah, yes, so. Rock and Roller Coaster. I would put that at like a seven because of the inversions. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think Everest gets you with the, the way that their backwards motion feels, and then the darkness just kind of hypes it up a little bit. Not that you know Guardians is bright; it's certainly more you know in a dark space, but it's just different. That you can see what you're doing in Guardians. Well, Guardians, because like you said, there's a motion base. They direct you which way you're really supposed to be looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just it's so smooth that like you don't get that lower back pain. <laughs> and now I really sound like an old man riding kids' rides, but you know I, I think you guys know what I mean. Like there's just a a, a herky jerky on a lot of traditional coasters. Yep. I didn't feel it at all on this ride. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. At Universal, did you get a chance to ride the Mummy? Yes, for the 14 <laughs> seconds that it lasted. That's another comparable that I've heard um, from a smoothest perspective. It's not super amount of hills, of course, because yeah. you know it's indoors. But um, but yeah, that that was that was something that came to my mind as you were describing it. Scott's going to ride the Mummy in four weeks. I actually have, even though I don't like coasters generally, I have ridden the Mummy, and I did not like it to be honest with you. But I went on it. I did go on it. I love the mummy. Mummy's a great coaster. That that kind of took me by surprise with how much I enjoyed it. I, when I was there, there was no wait, and I did it four times in a row. Oh, wow. just walked right on. Yeah, yeah there's no wait. I'd like to write it again. I, I I wrote it once, and I don't. I just don't remember much about the mummy, like, other than like I was like, "Is that it?" Because it was quick. It's quick. <laughs> cup of coffee. Uh, Nick, ask, our, ask uh, Dean a question about his trip, please. Why didn't you go to Polite Pig? So, Nick, Polite Pig smelled <laughs> really good. Uh, we walked by it one day going to Wine Bar Georges, uh, which is just a better choice. That's why we went there. And uh, the second time we walked by, it was closed because it was 9.45 in the morning and they hadn't opened yet because they're wimps and don't serve breakfast. Um, no, actually, I, I would love to try Polite Pig. And when you come down in August, we will go over to Disney Springs together on that Friday and we will go over for Polite Pig lunch. Um, but uh, my son, not really keen on that cuisine. And they don't have so, some of the stuff he would eat. They don't have a gluten free option that I can see anywhere online. So uh, Polite Pig's in the rotation at some point. I definitely want to try it. But yeah, our, our downtown experience was somewhat limited. Um, we did do the wine bar George meal, which was great. Uh, we ended up canceling our Raglan night. Uh, we didn't do that reservation. We did something else that night. Uh, but we did go back the very last day on our way to the airport. So we had some some Disney Spring shopping time, which was great. Did you have the skirt steak? I, uh, did not get the stir- skirt steak. Okay. That was in the plan. Uh, and then my son is such a huge fan of cheese plates. I know it sounds weird for a 12-year-old, but he loves the charcuterie. So we got the big plate, if you're familiar with the menu. Mm-hmm. Um, so between that and a couple other appetizers, there really wasn't any need for the, the monster skirt steak as well. Got it. Paul, ask uh, Dean a question, please. <laughs> Is there any of the meals, and in full disclosure, you had sent us wonderful pictures of the meals um, as they were being consumed, uh, which is fantastic. Is there any of them that particularly stood out to you, um, you know, not to do like a full dining rundown, you know, like we've done in the past? Was there anything that stuck out to you that like is just memorable? Like when you think back on this trip in a year, you go, man, that was a great meal. That was a great time. Yeah, I'm going to give you two. But before I do that, I want to just say that you know one of the criticisms I've hear, heard a lot for Disney planning is that you're very locked into a plan. And there's no flexibility and people don't want that. They want to do things on a whim. 
Um, we, when we first got down there, had a meal planned every single dinner, every single night except one. And we had several lunches and about two or three breakfasts planned. And as we started, to, the trip started to unfold the night before we would decide, do we really want to do that tomorrow? And we would cancel stuff or we might move stuff later. We had so much dining flexibility that it was not a problem to not have reservations and book something the day of, you know, it's, it's the old joke is always like, Hey, how do I know when I want Mexican 60 days from today? I've had that experience in the past where if you didn't have a dinner book, you weren't getting dinner unless you went to a counter service. Yep. Uh, friends of ours were down there at the same time as us. They walked up to space 220 with a party of six at dinner time and got taken in. So I don't know if Disney's holding back for that level of flexibility and that level of movability and, and or, or if it was just, I mean, it felt crowded in the, when we were down there. It was very typical summer crowds, summer wait times on the attractions, but the, there was dining availability which I thought was fantastic. Um, so the two meals I'll mention, one is Space 220. Uh, I think I'm pretty famously giving my feelings on Coral Reef. And I was afraid, uh, despite some of the positive things I had heard, I was afraid that this was going to be Coral Reef. Like, hey, cool, cool atmosphere, pretty restaurant. We don't have to invest in the food. I'll tell you that the, the service we got at Space 220 was the best service we got on any meal for our entire trip. And we went to Yachtsman. We went to Narcusi's. You know, we had some of the, the signature restaurants as good, if not better, at Space 220. Wine Bar George actually was really good, too. We had, we had a great server there. Um, but the food, I mean, the food was the star, which probably should be the case at a restaurant. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe I went in with low enough expectations that wowed me, but I really do think it was high quality. And we went for lunch. Um, we had, uh, or I had a, a seared tuna dinner for lunch so it's here to lunch uh with a buffalo cauliflower appetizer yes um and, and you know just just the way they did that it had a you know a buffalo sauce it had like a crumbled blue cheese available for for the blue cheese it, it was just styled differently uh my wife got calamari uh, my son got a burger and he ate the whole thing which is you know he's not always the biggest eater so the fact that he ate the whole burger let me know it was really good had the gluten-free available which was great um and then fun drinks there too uh including a souvenir cup <laughs> for the for the kids drink yes. so space 220 definitely stands out as something i want to do again oh that's great and then the second one is another place we had never been before and that's la hacienda de san and hell mm -hmm. so that is on the water side in the mexico pavilion um i've been to san angel in three four five times another restaurant where you know great atmosphere you, you got uh, i almost called the el rio del tiempo you got the <laughs> Uh, what is that called this week? Is it Fiesta? <laughs> Grand remember. Fiesta Tour. Grand Fiesta Tour. Thank you. Um, you got that going by. You know, you got the, the beautiful scape uh, around you with the Mexican Pavilion. And, and there, the atmosphere is the star. The food I've had there is not, it's, it's been okay, um, but not really up to the price point. Yeah. Uh, La Hacienda not was great, like memorable. And not just for the pinata chocolate tower dessert that you can get there. Look it up. It's a, one of the 50th things. Uh, I have a fun video of my son smashing that open. But everything we had there, the appetizers, the dinners, the entree. Again, service was really good. Um, and I, th I think, you know, for Disney prices, the price point's a little bit more palatable than some of the signature restaurants. And for these two places, space is a little pricey for what it is. And you go at lunchtime, I think they're in the, the 50s for adults. You go at dinner time, I think it's 79 for the prefix menu. Um, but yeah, you know, Hacienda was, was fantastic. I think there you're, you are paying for the technology and the setting and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're bumping up that price point because they can. Right. Um, 
but yeah, no, Hacienda, I, I would highly recommend that. I, I always kind of looked around and said, where's the good Mexican food at, at Disney property? I mean, there's some Mexican options, but none of them that really blew me away. And I've eaten over at Coronado, eaten at the Mexican rest, uh, Mexican pavilion, but this is my favorite. So I would recommend this. Great. It's not a Coco's El Rio adventure. Not yet. I have no words. Well, it's not the Toy Story Narcissus yet. <laughs> Nick. It's uh, it's Spanish Buzz uh, sponsoring the, uh, the dinner. We had Garden Rocks going on during our time there. So yes. uh, my brother and, and his wife are huge Daughtry fans. I, I They've paid you know three three digits to go to Daughtry concerts, and we got to see them for free, which was cool. Three digits? Oh, yeah. They, they'll, 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 <laughs> they'll pay those front row seat prices if they have to. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's they're not big American Idol fans. I'm not sure what drew them to Daughtry, but uh, it's a great haircut. Yeah, I like that. I'm not paying $100 to go see anybody in concert. All right. Next question for, for Dean. What do we got? Paul, you have a good question here? Well, I just asked the restaurant one. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll go. <laughs> well, I, no, no, oh, no, Nick, I, please, Nick, I, go I ahead. Do, I, I do have one. Do you want me to go or, Dean, or Paul go? Go ahead, Nick. Okay. So this is your first time on Guardians. Was there any other ride you did for the first time? Good, good question. We did. We, we did Ratatouille for the first time. And my son rode Rock and Roller Coaster for the first time. And uh, I will say he loved Rock and Roller Coaster, bought a pin afterwards, which was a big theme for 11 days. It's amazing <laughs> how much a 12-year-old can spend on pins in a week and a half. Um, Ratatouille. So I uh, this, this might be controversial. Um, I'm happy that they're offering, you know, we, we've talked about the, the sort of booklet attraction versions, and I think everybody expects every brand new attack, attraction to be an e-ticket, and then they define e-ticket to have to be a thrill ride type, you know, big, glorious, cosmic rewind level attraction. Ratatouille is not that. Um, Ratatouille is, is uh, I think my, my phrase when we got off that was, it's like next level Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a C ticket, Paul. You're right. Okay. Uh, so Paul, Paul's holding up the hand of a C. Um, it, that's one where they used to have the individual lightning lane. You could pay for the attraction. I, I would have been a little disappointed if I invested money in that ride. Now, that said, when you walk through the France Pavilion, it feels like a complete pavilion now. And not that it wasn't one of the better ones before, I thought it had really good theming, but getting to walk around the back of the, the pavilion and, and the area and the way they themed it back there and having the, I think it's an ice cream shop or sandwich shop, or whatever, on the right-hand side as you're walking back there. And then the Ratatouille right. facing and all that, beautiful. So even if you don't want to ride the ride, I would just go back there to walk through that that uh, whole pavilion. It's gorgeous. Isn't it a crepery? Yes, crepery, right. You're right, Nick. It's crepery back there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I the, the, the pavilion e-ticket the ride i think i closed my eyes for about a third of it um it was just it was a little bit nauseating for me with all the screen stuff it's really not my bag i'm, I'm not a big fan of those that said the 4d elements are very good there i will probably experience that in france before uh epcot seems more appropriate <laughs> sounds great uh, having stayed now back to back Grand Flirt, Grand Floridian and Boardwalk, um, are you noticing a lot of changes in the areas that they are located in, meaning Crescent Lake and the Seven Seas Lagoon? 
that you hadn't noticed before um, on earlier trips um, where it, where the resort itself kind of feels a little less secluded for lack of a better word. Yeah. It's, it's a fair criticism. I, I think with Grand Floridian more so, um, what, one of the big shifts is that, uh, that walkway, you know, which opened up a while ago now, but you know, it's relatively new, the walking path to magic kingdom. We took advantage of that. Our room was as close to the beginning of that path as it can be. Sure, We're in that, that building back there, first floor, all the way at the end of the hallway. Yeah. So we went out the side of our building and we were basically at the path. That's fantastic. Uh, so it's cool location because it's also very close to Gasparilla's right there and close to the marina. So fireworks at night, if you want, we popped out of our room. We could watch them from right there, that kind of stuff. Um, but I, the, you know, having the DVC elements too, I think was a bit of a game changer. Like they just recently took over one of the traditional buildings and made it a DVC building. Uh, they were renovating a different building while we were there, uh, which was right next to Narcusis, which was supposed to be under renovation, but they delayed that, uh, which I think it's probably being renovated now. Um, so they had, they had to wait for all those Toy Story elements to come in. Yeah. So they, um, yeah, Bo, Bo Peeps Grand Flow. Um, so I do think that the, the, it was never quaint because it's too over the top to be quaint, but the, the, the closeness, that sort of secluded feel of the Grand Floridian. It was very much a good, hun- and maybe it's because I honeymooned there, but very much a good like honeymooner type resort. Like it felt like it had its own grounds and its own thing. And you had that great location to see the castle, but like you could be tucked away if you want. It didn't feel quite the same anymore. Um, still a wonderful resort. And it's not, despite the feel, it's not stuffy. Uh, there's kids running through and they're just as loud as they are at the other resorts. The pools are just as fun and have as many activities, if not more so. Uh, actually, the toiletries included a shower cap, very important for my hair. Um, they had mouthwash and like a couple extra plus ups things that you might not get everywhere. Um, but yeah, I, I, I know where you're going with there. The boardwalk, I didn't feel that as much. Um, the boardwalk, what I did like though, is, is the uh, entertainment was turned back up. Um, I felt like they had lost a little bit of the boardwalk entertainment for a while. Yep. But we saw jugglers, we saw magicians, we saw performers. Uh, the margarita stand was open again, which was nice. Um, we never made it into, we kept trying to, to plan it. We never made it into Abracadabra, which I wanted to do. Um, but that had some outdoor seating going. So having people sitting out there just kind of brought back some of that energy to the boardwalk that I think had been missing the last time we were there, which was last year. Um, so I think COVID had a lot of impact with that. Yeah. And I mean, and that's part of why I was asking some of it is the, um, you know, the, the, for lack of a better word, encroachment of DVC into the Grand Floridian. Um, and, and that pathway definitely helps with people walking from the Polynesian and, and the Grand Floridian to the Magic Kingdom. But, you know, like at Boardwalk, I always felt like there was an ebb and flow that, you know, in the early morning, it was completely dead. There was nobody there. And then like from maybe about an hour before Epcot opens, um, you know, the Boardwalk actually comes to life. But then in the late night, again, dead, like after you get to maybe uh, an hour after park closing um, for both the studios and Epcot, there's nobody there. But Grand Floridian always felt that way. The times that I was there that, you know, it was not bustling, it was not busy, that it was very much um, relaxing. So I was wondering if kind of that influx of DVC because DVC travelers tend to be more, uh, not more DVC travelers tend to be less park centric 
Yes. Or resort centric. A little more resort centric. I agree with that. I will say that the the one impact that you can definitely feel staying, having stayed at Boardwalk Resorts for years, I mean, we were always big Swan Dolphin fans. Uh, we stayed, you know, all the other resorts on the boardwalk. The back gate is not as exclusive as it used to be, thanks to the Skyliner. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's impactful because it used to be if you wanted to rope drop Epcot at 9 a.m., you could roll out of your boardwalk resort 8.20, 8.30, walk over there, grab a little bite at the bakery on the way. And you were one of, you know, 100 people, a couple hundred max that were walking in the back gate that early. Now with the Skyliner, it queues up. Uh, so it can take you a lot longer to get in the back gate than it used to. Yeah, I mean, that that just makes sense. And they expanded, didn't they, though? As far as like number of number of gates to walk through, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's 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 bigger back there than it used to be. That's definitely true, because it used to be like one or two lanes, and there was it, it was always staffed, but you'd have like a single ticket window, <laughs> and so now there's there's definitely more going on back there. Same here. Wait, what was your favorite drink? Because you sent a lot of drink pictures. I had a lot. Of, that's <laughs> like picking a favorite child, Nick. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> And in, in that regard, I have an answer because I only have one, but uh, that's a that's a tough one. Uh, favorite drink. Um, I still probably have to go back to the old fashioned at Narcusi. Uh, I had a scotch old fashioned there and it, I'm an old fashioned guy. I like the, I like the sweetness and they just mix a, a good drink there. So I had a couple fruity ones. I had some really good non-alcoholic drinks. Um, you know, trying some of my son's, the, the kids drinks, they have a lot of new like slushes and icy style drinks. You know, they're, they're trying to upsell you on the $10 cup to go with it. Um, but you know, they, they, they have this, uh, drink for the kids. Well, I'm going to say it's for the kids cause it's on the kids menu. I'm sure anybody can get it, but you get a lemonade in a light up cup. And then it has a character head that you put in. And when you stir it, it dissolves in, um, and then they have different flavors. So you basically get a flavored lemonade. And another fun one, actually, probably the funnest drink out of any of the three of us ordered the entire trip uh, was at Space 220. And I don't know if this is a spoiler for anybody, so I don't want to spoil a drink, um, but it's a kid's drink you can get, and it comes with Pop Rocks. And so you drop those into the drink, and it bubbles up through the drink. It was really cool. It kind of gives you like that sort of space launch type feel. Uh, and again, you can get the souvenir cup to go with it. So a lot of fun stuff. I, you know, one of the favorite things we had uh, as part of our planning was just watching some of the videos that are on YouTube and reading some of the articles about the 50th treats. And there's a lot of special little things you can grab. And I, we went to Casey's. That was the first time I ever ate there. You know, and I got the specialty hot dog that was there. God forbid, I can't remember what the heck it was now, but it was good. Um, and so, you know, just different things like that, having the opportunity to go back to old places that you have been, or for us, it was new, uh, and having specialty items off the menu. It's a lot of fun. It, it adds a little bit new element for someone like Scott, who goes there every other month. That's not true. <laughs> That's but uh, next question. Uh, by the way, great question so far. And Dean, this is amazing trip report. Um, give me a dessert highlight. Something you never had before that you recommend? Um, again, I'm, I'm going to go back to that 50th item at Mexico, at La Hacienda. It's expensive. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's a big dessert, but it's like a, it's like a Trace Lachey's cake on the bottom. And then it had a, a Mexican chocolate mousse type thing in the middle in mm -hmm. this huge Mexican pyramid on the outside. And they call it a piñata because you smash it open with a spoon, shatter that chocolate, and then eat that. That thing was amazing. 
Um, there was a, another treat at Gasparilla, and I think it was probably at a lot of the bakeries. They have some specialty like cupcake items and things like that, but this was a Mickey brownie, and it was super, super fudgy. Um, so if you like, a, a, it almost felt like a, undercooked in a way, but in a good way. Uh, not not in a bad way because a lot of times I get brownies at Disney World I get a little disappointed especially the standard ones are just a little overcooked they become dry mm-hmm. this was not that problem at all this was really really good well you um, tell me you had a cupcake at Walt Disney World I did I did I had another I, I actually got the 50th cupcake with that pretty blue frosting and all that oh yeah um, because you know I'm an idiot and completely forgot that that is a blue raspberry frosting with a lemon curd in the middle Yes. Not my idea of dessert. So I didn't like that one as much. Um, but yeah, again, I, I just recommend trying new stuff and having having some of the fun 50th. Great Instagram opportunity, Scott, um, you know, to have the, the 50th treats and also yes. really good treats. Was it a uh, chili cheese dog, Walt's chili cheese dog? Yes. Yes, I think it was. You can also get Walt's hash. At, at a couple mm-hmm. of breakfast places because I we went to Kona for breakfast twice and the second time I was there um, I got Walt's hash and eggs it was really good which I thought they were only serving at Steakhouse 71 so I was happy it was at Kona too there's Sorry, more uh, there's more 50th uh, anniversary snacks than there are 50th anniversary statues saw a lot of the statues Nick yeah. some of them are, are, are pretty well hidden I mean not, not super hidden but like it's not just sitting there in front of you sometimes you got to look up sometimes they're embedded in topiaries uh, and we were there for Flower and Garden, so there's lots of topiaries to look at at Epcot. Um, but, you know, it's just all around the, the parks, there was some great ones in Adventureland to look for. And, and uh, I like the way that they spread them out. I think it was really cool. Talk to us about some merch. Did you get anything when you were down there? Oh, my God. We have so much stuff. I, I think we're still unpacking <laughs> because of the merch. Um, I, none of us are big Spirit Jersey fans, but I saw a lot of new Spirit jerseys, so didn't buy any but that's uh, that's certainly available i got another three button collared like uh work shirt not that i wear work shirts too much anymore but when i have to throw on a three button shirt I might as well represent my interests um i told you my son got into the pins a lot so we have a lot of new pins i mean uh, i he started getting into the blind boxes which is not good for his personality because he's a completionist so you know a set of eight and he's getting the first five or six out of, out of three boxes getting those last two was murder uh, and, and not always available for trade, but we did do some pin trading as well. Um, you know, other than that, I mean, the, the, the pins were probably the big highlight for him. I got a couple of, of uh, shirts, you know, there's some, I got a nice uh, 50th shirt. Probably my favorite thing that I got though, was the, um, the mug that I got. So I uh, shouldn't say mug, like a tumbler, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the Tervis. So I got a, tur- a flower and garden Tervis and then I got the Starbucks um, cold drink one. Oh, so that was 50th, uh, 50th celebrated. The problem is they have a really cool, it's like the gold and in, into in blue one. Saw that one right away, bought it because I wanted it. Didn't realize they were going to sell it everywhere, although I might have waited till the end of my trip to buy it. Because then I found the one, it's, it, I, the best way to describe it is it feels like Epcot. It's very bumpy and shiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, these, these cups are running upwards of $40, $50 a cup now. Um, so I didn't want to buy two of them. So I, I had some discipline and didn't buy that one. But I really like that one, too. How was the weather while you were there? The weather held off for the most part really, really well. So, you know, anyone who's been to Disney World in the summer, it's already humid when you get out of your hotel room. It gets more humid throughout the day. It rains anywhere from 20 minutes to four hours, starting anywhere from 2 to 4 p.m. And then it clears out. And sometimes the parks are lighter because people go away if it's a longer rain. 
other times it's not as didn't impact the crowd at all because it i mean we've had times it wasn't this trip but i've had times before we've gone into carousel of progress come back out and the ground's wet <laughs> you don't know how that happened because the rainstorm passed that quickly um i'd say we had a really good experience for the most part uh it, we usually take midday breaks and, and so a couple times it rained during our midday break some days it didn't rain at all which were great the uh, the toughest blip of weather we ran into we went to typhoon lagoon which was the first time we had taken my son there and I hadn't been there in a while. Uh, great water park. I, I don't know, Paul, I got really excited at the end of Typhoon Lagoon and said, you know what, this might still be the best water park in Orlando. Uh, we're probably going to make it to Volcano Bay in, in four weeks. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take Scott with us. And yeah. uh, that might change my opinion back to Volcano Bay being the best water park. Can't wait. Um, I got my bathing suit ready. There we go. Um, that might get taken away by that uh, the lazy river. The Fearless River is one of the, the fearless, best attractions yeah. in, in uh, Orlando. Oh, yeah. almost killed my, it almost killed my wife. Uh, tie up your bathing suit extra tight on that one, Scott. Um, yeah, so so we went to the water park, and we, we got a cabana while we were there, which was a great experience. Uh, did that with friends of ours. And, um, you know, we're, we're, it, it helped, helped us stay, stay at the, the water, water park longer. We're probably, you know, a couple hours and out otherwise. So having the cabana, having that place, like sort of home base, shade, uh, you know, and being there with other people, I think, helped us stay longer. So we got to about quarter to four and it was starting to sprinkle. I remember my son was coming down one of the slides and I was sitting there waiting for him. and I was getting rained on. I'm like, OK, I think our water park day is over. So we head back. We clean up. We, we, we finish up at the cabana and uh, the friends of ours, they have three daughters. And my son said, can we grab a Dole Whip on the way out? And they, they had a Dole Whip stand really close to where we were sitting. So like, all right, that should be quick. I look over. There's like two people in line. 35 minutes later, <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. I actually clocked it. 35 minutes later, he finally gets his Hey, Hey, I think it was Hey, Hey, yeah, Hey, Hey, Dole Whip, which was supposed to have raspberry on the top and then pineapple on the bottom. Right. He asked if they could substitute mango. She said, we're going to have to. We ran out of pineapple. By the oh. time he got it, it was just a raspberry cone. And it was supposed to come with like these two candies across and they dropped it on the floor. So pretty much a Dole Whip fail. He, he was probably 45 seconds from having the ice cream handed to him and the monsoon hit. Oh. So it was downpouring, like the heavy, heavy Florida rain where everybody hides under something. It was doing that. And I was like, you know what? I'm looking at this forecast. It says it's going to rain for the next two hours. We're in bathing suits. Like, we're just going to go. So we walked through the monsoon and, and kicked through the puddles and got out to the car. And I was so wet that the next morning when we went back into, because we had a rental car, we went back into the rental car. My seat was still wet. <laughs> so <laughs> that might have something to do with the Florida humidity too. Um, so that was like the worst day of rain because we actually were out in it. But otherwise the weather was good. I mean, we had days, I didn't keep a, a thermometer running, but I think we had days where it probably topped out in the high 80s. Oh, and we've been down there when it's been mid to high 90s. So oh, yeah. it makes a difference. So, yeah, the weather was beautiful. Yeah, I mean, part, part of the reason I asked is I, I know you did go to Blizzard or Blizzard Beach, that you went to Typhoon Lagoon. Um, and uh, I meant to ask you, uh, did you get the donuts? We did. We did. So we, we started our day with donuts. Uh, and then we had a few rounds of cocktails throughout the day sitting in the cabana. And then if you have a cabana, uh, they will bring you a menu and you can order platters as opposed to having to go like to the quick service restaurant and order individual stuff. Yeah. So we got like uh, a cheese and veggie platter and we got chicken fingers for the kids to have. Although I do believe the adults ate more than the kids did. Um, 
and then we got something else I can't remember. But you know, it's 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 a good way again if you're if you're there with a big enough party and you want to share that experience, it gives you a good chance to do that. Um, and then be able to have stuff, you know, again with a home base and experience some of the, the food is pretty good. Yeah, I, I've always I've always liked it there. I mean, we're we're a rope drop kind of um, water park people. So, you know, for us kind of it's not quite an end of our water park day, but, you know, when you get there early and then you have kind of the lunch and then you're kind of ready to go. Um, yeah, we we rope drop. So we were there from about 930. Park opened at 10. We were there 930 to four and the park hours were 10 to five. It's a great day. 10 to five or 10 to seven. Might have, the, uh, they did pull everybody just just to clear. They, they did pull everyone out when that storm came in because lightning was close enough. So they cleared the water park anyway. So even if we wanted to stay longer, we were not going to be able to. Did you park hop any? Not as much as we thought we would um, for the fact that we paid for park hoppers. So <laughs> we um, we did do a couple of days where we, we jumped back to Magic Kingdom, which was nice. And um, we split our day mostly. But there were a couple of times we split our day where we, you know, we went to a park in the morning, took the midday break like we usually do, and we just went back to the same park. So much like adding days on to the end of your ticket, if you're not sure you're going to go those extra days, you can always add them during your trip. And I'd say the same thing with Park Hopper. If you don't think you're going to Park Hop or you're not sure you're going to Park Hop, it's a minor inconvenience to have to get into the guest services line and add the hopper. But you can always add it to your ticket while you're down there. Now, they will, they'll will they charge you for the length of your ticket, Park Hopper, not just prospectively. So if you're on a seven-day ticket and you only want to hop the last two days, you're paying the Park Hopper price for seven days. Um, but it's it's a... It's one of those things where I always tell people, if you're not sure you're going to use it, don't buy it up front. Just get it later. Right. Dean, I have a dramatic question for you. Okay. Uh Here's the question. This trip was 11 days, correct? It was. So you had the luxury of a lot of time in Walt Disney World. Do you think you would have enjoyed the trip as much if it was condensed to, let's say, a five-day trip? which is probably closer to the average length that a person goes to Disney world for in light of the, and I ask that in light of the fact that we're now in a genie plus world where you have to. Here's my best answer for that, Scott. Mm -hmm. If I, if you were at a restaurant and they had a 16 ounce filet mignon. Okay. And then the next time you go to the restaurant, they only have a 10 ounce filet. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make the steak any worse. It's still a really good steak. And that's what I would say on a shorter Disney trip. You know, the reason we went for 11 days was because we wanted that luxury of time. We don't, we we wanted to try to balance like a little bit of relaxation. And, you know, one of the big criticisms I get when people are like, why do you go back to Disney world again? It's like, well, what do you do for vacation? And, you know, I want to go and relax and hang out by a pool and have really nice dinners and and sightsee a little bit. It's exactly what we do in Orlando. And then we have, world-class theme parks around us when we want to go to them Mm -hmm. and so that's the way we took this trip although I have to admit I felt a little bit competitive (laughs) at times it's hard not to when you're in Disney and when I say competitive I mean like what's the next ride how you know let's not waste time in line let's get to the next attraction Mm -hmm. Uh, you know that kind of stuff Um, from a, a genie plus world perspective we were still under the window when they were allowing you to just pre-order genie plus for every day of your trip and that's what we did we didn't use it as well every day. It's a great tool in Magic Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And it's a great tool in Epcot for the first day you go to Epcot when you want to make sure you can hit the real highlight. The thing about Epcot attractions, you, most people are probably want to get to 
Test Track, Soren, Cosmic Rewind, Frozen. And I feel like I'm missing one other big attraction. Um, but like there's some real headliner attractions there. You know you're going to, oh, Ratatouille. Uh, you know you're going to get on uh, Grand Fiesta Tour at some point. You can always get on Space Mountain. You could walk on Figment most days. Although we did see a 25 minute wait for Figment. That was weird. Surprising. Um, so my point being, you know, the first time you go to Epcot on a trip, and you want to use Genie Plus, you can probably knock off three or four of those attractions all at once. The second time you go, you could just rope drop the other one you didn't get to. And so you don't necessarily need Genie Plus the second time. Now, if you want to repeat attractions, having Genie Plus is really beneficial. There was a day in Magic Kingdom we were using Genie Plus. I think I remember counting, we got 11 attractions in on mm. Genie Plus. And that was in a, a little more than half a day and stopping for a, a counter service lunch. Wow. So it's really helpful there. Did you have to crisscross the park a lot? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the part you got to balance. It's either, you know, like one day we, we said, let's, um, what do we, I think we did the Genie Plus for Space Mountain. And so we started our day on the other side and we went to, no, vice versa. Sorry. We did the Genie Plus for Splash Mountain. So we started our day. Let's go to, to Tomorrowland first. So, you know, you, you go and you ride Space Mountain, maybe a pick off buzz while you're there you're thinking about getting into fantasy land and getting a couple of those attractions done um so then we go and do splash and it's like okay well it'd be really cool if we can get a genie plus for big thunder right now but we end up grabbing peter pan instead <laughs> so you know stuff like that happens and so it's just a matter of um priority you know you, you can pick to stay on the same side of the park but you're not like we were trying to stack them so if i got a 915 attraction once I buzzed into the attraction, either the first or sometimes they have, you know, they have two bands, to, two uh, Mickey heads to scan into. You can't do the next Genie Plus until you get to the second Mickey scan, if they have that. But once we did that, I was on the app again, trying to get to the next ride. And so I could have chose to stay on the same side of the park, and maybe there would have been an hour, hour and a half window in between. But if I could find that next attraction right away, we did that and just walked to it. So... You know, it's, it's just different strategies. I think we're just having, trying to have some fun with it at that point. Um, but the attractions you think build fast lines, build fast lines. You know, Peter Pan, we grabbed that one morning. And I think we had like a 10 o'clock. You know, we had, we had done our first attraction, grabbed that for 10 o'clock. When we got off that attraction, I was looking for the next uh, one to book. It was already out to like 4 p.m. in the afternoon, you know, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So if you certain attractions, you don't grab them early, you're not getting them. Now, our days in Epcot, and we did a couple of them, Test Track was the ride that would load up really quickly. Soren, there was a day we were there, it was maybe 12 o'clock. I could have grabbed a Soren Genie Plus for 1225, mm -hmm. which I didn't expect. I thought that would be just like the other ones, but it was it was Ratatouille Test Track that were blowing out the time really quickly. And once they're sold out, they're sold out. So it's not unheard of, say, in Hollywood Studios, it might be four in the afternoon. There's no Genie Plus for the rest of the day. Interesting. I, I'm very curious how G Genie Plus is going to shape out on my trip and, you know, how I'll be able to use it. I'm hearing your experience gives me hope, gives me hope that it's going to be very beneficial. Yeah, it'll be, you know, it's something we could talk about with Genie Plus uh, strategies and then what your experience is like when you get back. I mean, you, you could do a whole show just on that topic. It's uh, sure there's a couple different ways I think people like to use it. You know, the other thing people do is right. The, the one thing that's frustrating about it is right away like when nine o'clock or seven o'clock when you're in your hotel room or nine o'clock when the park opens it would be nice if you could select your time for your genie plus so like hey i want peter pan but i want it at eight o'clock tonight that's not the way it works it's next available 
Um, but you got to refresh a lot. You know, the, the one of the vloggers likes to call it the, I think he calls it like the genie roulette or genie slots or something like that. Um, and it's true. You know, it's, it's, Hey, uh, I'm, I want this attraction. It says 11 o'clock. I refresh all of a sudden it's 10, 15. You see, that's, that's frustrating in the, like the chaos of a vacation. Yeah. You know, yeah, I was on my phone more than I wanted to be. Right. Right. Because of that. I, I definitely agree with that. But that was hey. tweeting us. That was a lot, especially at dinners. <laughs> Scott, you should just get a plaid. Get a, oh, get up! Yeah, well, <laughs> take you around the park. That's the dream one day. Maybe everyone, everyone, I'll everyone will a plaid be shirt in August, Scott. If you want me to, <laughs> everyone will be whispering, "Who is that?" As That's a, the podcaster. You know. they, they they know who it is. Nick. I mean, he's he's not the goat, but you know, he's 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 the Aaron Judge of podcasting. He knows the goat. <laughs> Any other questions? Because I got no more for Dean other than to say thank you. This is, and that's not even a question. This has just been spectacular. Uh, no, Dean has been a wonderful guest, and I'd like to thank him for his openness, his honesty, and his candor. It is an honor and a pleasure to talk with you, fine gentlemen, on this evening. I actually did think of another question. I was just going to ask how um, the droid building was, because I really wanted to do it when oh, I was there, and I didn't question. do it. Yeah, that's a good, that is one other thing we did that we'd never done before. So um, I don't know how much you know about it. So I'll give you a little background on it. So the droid building is something you want to reserve if it's definitely a critical part of your trip. You can do that just like a dining reservation. You can book it 60 days out. So, you know, I wanted to be dad the hero, but I didn't think of it until like three weeks before our trip. So I checked like almost every single day. Couldn't find an availability. Just, just wasn't available. Um, I can't remember if it was like right before we left or were we even down there already. My wife's like, oh, by the way, I booked droid building. I found a spot for, for us to do that. I'm like, oh, okay, so you're the hero. So kudos to her. She did a good job finding a spot. So we ended up with a, a 620 droid building time slot. We had scheduled an early dinner that day of like 4 o'clock uh, at Hollywood Brown Derby. What's that, Paul? Not 620 a.m.? No, that was 620 p.m. Um, which we ended up canceling that dinner. And that was the day we paid for the individual lightning lane. When I clicked on pay for the lightning lane, it said I had an 1110 preferred time. When I got the lightning lane paid for and processed through, my return window was 220 to 320. So that was a little frustrating too, because and Scott had warned me about that. They, they can and will change your time slot. Even though the first window said 1110, the second window said 1110, when it confirmed it, I was 220. So it, it lined up awkwardly to have a 2.20 lightning lane and then a 4 o'clock dinner and then a 6 o'clock droid building. So that's why we ended up canceling the dinner. I can't remember. I, oh, you know what we did that day? We went and uh, for a, a bigger lunch and we went to Mama Melrose. Shockingly good Italian food in, in a theme park. I was actually really pleased with that, that meal. Um, surprise, and they, they had a good opportunity for uh, gluten-free pizza, which again, you know how I feel about Florida pizza, but from for gluten-free stuff, this was actually pretty good. So all in all, we had a fantastic studios day. That was a day, uh, Nick, where we didn't do the park hopping. We actually left for a while and then came back to the studios. Uh, the only hopping that happened that evening was my wife did bar hopping ah. <laughs> because she didn't want to ride rock and roller coaster. So she found a, st a stand that was serving cocktails. And then during droid building, she went over to Vaseline and, yeah. uh, and, and took in a little baseline uh, cocktail while we were building a droid. There, she would have loved to have joined us for that droid build, but the one thing that is restrictive there is if your builder is, I think it's under 14, they're allowed one adult. 
can't have a family of three in there for the droid building. So I'd say, depending on how much you want to get into it and do that, like if your goal is like, I want to go in there, build a droid and get out of here, you could probably knock that out in like 10 minutes. Um, we were there for probably a solid half hour because my son was having a lot of fun with it. I was taking some pictures, a little video, interacting with cast members. Um, but it was really, really cool. Like it's really well-themed space. And they have, I think it was up to 10 stations. You go in it and there's, um, if you've ever seen like conveyor belt sushi, it's, it's like that, but for droid parts. So you're waiting there with your bin and you have to select the parts you want. Um, before you get there, you tell them what type of droid you want to build. So you can build an R series, a B series, or a C series droid. Uh, and then they tell you, okay, based on that, these are the pieces you should look for. So uh, my son wanted a B series. So he got the pieces he wanted, uh, brought it over to a build assistant station. And he got to use power tools, which is always fun. And not many, not many places where you can use a power screwdriver in a theme park. Um, so he got to build his, literally build his droid. Not a ton of pieces, doesn't take that long, but it was fun. They give you a little bit of a show to like charge it up and, and bring it to life and stuff. So I don't want to spoil the, the fun there, but that was cool. And then she, the, the droid is, or the build assistant showed him uh, all the instructions. She was really nice, really um, made sure he understood what he was doing. Uh, he got to test it a little bit and then uh, you can accessorize. So you can buy a special bag to go with it. You can buy some other decoration pieces to go with it. You can buy different personalities for it, which I thought was really cool. Um, so he got a personality chip to go with this droid. If you, for what he built, if you don't buy a personality, it defaults to BB-8's personality. So he bought a, a special different personality to go with it. He picked out, um, you can either get, uh, it's, there's six personalities total. Two of them are kind of like the you know, dark side. I think one of them was described as like grumpy old man. And the other one was described as angry. <laughs> Didn't really want that in the house. Angry podcaster. He's, he's got me to fill both those roles. Uh, and then there was two scoundrel personalities. And then there's two um, rebel personalities. And so he went that route and got the chirpy one. So this thing is very talkative, which is cool. That's kind of what I'm, I'm wanted out of it. So yeah. really, really fun. He's had a lot of fun with it. Um, he played with it when we got home. Then he put it over near our fireplace and I'm, sitting there looking at it right now i don't think it's moved in a week <laughs> so not sure it'll get played with again but I, I did hear we didn't experience this i did hear there are areas of galaxy's edge where your droid can interact or get some some reaction to spit i don't think it's quite as uh, fleshed out as like the wands at universal right but it, i think there's something to do there so i, I didn't yeah get to learn about that there's a spot that has like some droids behind a little barrier uh, and if you bring it yeah. over, I think he just starts, it'll just start chirping. That's cool. Um, the other thing we experienced, not related to droids, and, and you guys may know about this, they have these zoom shots with PhotoPass. So we cool. did, we did very get cool. the um, memory maker. I figured with 11 days we're in, we got the, the pre-sale pricing, you know, it's really, we take advantage of it. So we got a lot of on-ride photos and on-ride videos, but we did a couple of those as well. So I thought that was pretty neat. Uh, to have that sort of like you know zoomed out photo, they show you where to where to look, and they take your picture, and then you get a close up photo from the PhotoPass photographer as well, so you can kind of plug it into the overall puzzle. Are they doing that all over now? Because I know I did the one at uh, Magic Kingdom. Yeah, we the did castle. the one there, um, and we were lining up for the one at Studios, but then ended up not doing it. Uh, but yeah, they have one in each of the parks now, I believe. And. They had one at Galaxy's Edge, and the lines were confusing. I think we ended up waiting in the wrong photo line. Yeah, it, it ended up getting blue milk. He wasn't quite sure what was going on. But... 
All right, I'll close with that story um, because I did. Uh, you just you said blue milk. You reminded me we, we did go to the cantina, so that was a oh, yeah. that might be my one of my top dining experiences. Now, please, my my wife has watched some of the Star Wars movies with me. She's not a huge huge Star Wars person. I, I you know Star Wars. I'm more likely to like power through. Like I just got done. I know I'm behind, but I finally just got done watching Boba Fett. I need to watch Kenobi now. But like I'll I'll catch up on all the Star Wars stuff. That's I, I like that whole franchise. Um, she was like fun to watch, whatever, but she doesn't really care about it like I do. I can she, uh, I can save you an hour and send you a fan uh, a link to a fan site that took an hour out of Kenobi. No, we don't do it. <laughs> I would have preferred you took the first four episodes out of Boba Fett. I, instead. I told you to start with five. <laughs> um, she loved the cantina. Had a fantastic experience there. Now the only time I could find available was eight fifty five. Um, one morning. So take that for what it is. You know, they're not serving breakfast there. There's really not any food there. It's really there for, you're there for drinks. Um, we got a spot at the bar and they, they don't seat you per se, but they place you. Uh, so you don't just get to walk in and kind of freelance wherever you want to be. They brought us in and said, here's your spot. And it was at the bar. So I think it's the first time my 12 year olds bellied up at least first I know of. <laughs> um, so good for him. Um, they, you know, the, the, the drinks themselves can be experiences. Uh, so there's some fun stuff on the menu to, to go through. Uh, the cast members there were, were brilliant, like just on on point. It was it was great. Um, what we were told is you have a one drink minimum per person and a true drink maximum per person. And they wanted you in and out in 45 minutes. Now, they didn't tell you that, like when you get there and like to rush you out. But it's that's kind of the guidance around it when you book it. Uh, I didn't feel that pressure at all. They did want you to order and they were pretty on top of you to order right away. So they don't want you to dilly dally with the menu for 40 minutes. Like you might at a relaxed sit down restaurant. Um, but what a, what a fun place to be. I mean, again, it's kind of like that cosmic rewind description I gave you, whether you're a fan or not, you're going to have a good time at the cantina. Yeah. I, yeah. I, get a fuzzy tauntaun. I said, is it possible to get three reservations in a row? I guess it's probably possible. Is it probable? Right. No. I mean, you could exit, just get back in the standby line. Yeah, but that's still fun. I'd rather be there. And then when it's like, oh, it's time to check in. Okay, well, you go up. So, like, the first reservation will be in my name. The next one will be in my wife's name. And the next one will be in Grapes' name. <laughs> I mean, even at 9 in the morning, Nick, I saw them basically turning people away. Oh, yeah. So, the, the standby, depending, again, time of year, time of day, standby line might be a challenge. If you want to go, you should reserve it. Did you try the fuzzy tauntaun? I don't remember what we tried there. That's the one that makes your lips tingly. Oh, then I'm going to go with no. I had a jet fuel. I remember that or something like that. That was strong. That was a good cocktail. Um, and then my, my my son ordered the kid version of Jello shots, basically. Uh, <laughs> so that was interesting. Um, it came with came with the, the frog's eggs on one side and again with the, the pop rocks. So that was cool. Well, on that note, this has been fantastic. Dean, thank you. Great trip report. Thank you, Scott. Pleasure to be here. Now, guys. Always happy we... to talk with you about oh. Disney. Thank you. Thank you. Love chatting with you about this as well. Now, uh, any stuff we love recommendations from you guys? Uh, I got a really quick one. It's easy. It's on Hulu. It's only murders in the building. Season two. Um, right? Season has kicked off. They're on the fourth episode, just released, and season three has been greenlit. 
Great recommendation, Paul. Nick, how about you? You know, Scott, I haven't really had a whole lot of time to watch much of anything lately, so I don't know that I have one. I haven't okay. really. There podcast yeah. like that you listen to? I listen okay. to a lot of podcasts. Uh, the stuff we love is the best one that I. Thank do. you. It's in my top two. I like butter and bacon, personally. <laughs> That's the other one. <laughs> I don't know when they even had an episode release. Nice. Ouch. <laughs> um, uh, Paul, Paul stole mine, Scott. I was going to also mention uh, the, yeah, the gonna... second season. So it's, uh, I think it's unanimous from the panel over here. That's the thing everyone should, you of know, course, stay stay current on their. Let's all go unified on that. But then go watch that. Let's all go go unified on that. I watched season one. I thought it was fantastic. I actually watched it based on Nick's recommendation. That was one of his stuff we loves in an earlier episode, and uh, I'm looking forward to starting season two. I'm just making my way through a whole bunch of shows, and I'll get there very soon. What about uh, Stranger Things? Stranger Things was fantastic. Loved it. Season four. Was back. That was like uh, 40 hours long. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, the Stranger Things last two episodes were like three and a half hours. I heard someone say that the final episode of Stranger Things this season was longer than any Star Wars film. Uh, it was two and a half hours long. Yeah. Uh- yeah, that could that that could be only because Star Wars tends to cap out at like an hour, two hours and ten. Yeah. How how many times have you guys heard the song "Running Up"? Was it "Running Up That Hill" by Kate Bush? Uh, the hill. Uh, well, Just, considering it plays every ad, <laughs> and I happen to keep hitting it on Twitter. <laughs> so yeah, but no, that that was good. Um, I know that this is something I'll, I'll mention it too. I'll give you two. I really enjoy the new Star Trek series on Paramount Plus, Strange New Worlds. Is that an animated show? It is. No, it's not animation. It's live action. Okay. It is a throwback to the feeling from the original Star Trek series of the right. 19, 1960s, but with 21st century special effects. And it's, it's phenomenal. It, it is so good. Great recommendation because I have that in my um, on Paramount Plus, I guess my list or my queue, and uh, I forgot about it. I forget about Paramount Plus sometimes. I just uh, same. There's a lot of stuff on there. I watch a lot of Paramount Plus. It's good, mm-hmm. mostly because my wife loves uh, NCIS. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Last Jedi is two hours and thirty two minutes, and the final episode of Stranger Things uh, season four was the exact same length of Attack of the Clones, which was two hours. And 22 minutes. There it is. That's the last like. Jedi. Last Jedi is actually 10 minutes longer. This is why we have the fact checkers. 10, 10 interminable minutes longer. And interminable minutes. <laughs> Guys, go ahead. Give their give your plugs. Where can we find you on social media? Or you want me to try to to do it from memory? Go for it, Scott. Do I, yes. have, a, do I have a social media? Oh, you do. You are at Nick Waymania on Twitter. No, you Paul. have to say. When I actually post, which is all the time for Nick, but he says he when I actually post. Paul, you are at Yo Paul ENJ on Twitter. That's correct. I'm a prolific poster, so be warned. Absolutely. One of my favorite. Well, I shouldn't say I was going to say you're one of my favorite Twitter accounts. Nick, you are too. I must say you're all my favorite Twitter accounts. Uh, Dean, you are at CT underscore Mickey underscore man. Is that correct? That is correct, sir. The travel agency is Adventures Out There Travel. The Twitter handle there is at AIOT travel. Is that right? oh. And I love that travel agency. I use them. 
as I've talked about before, I encourage all of you to uh, use them for your Disney trips and universal trips and cruises and all that stuff. Uh, stuff we love podcast. Here it is, Paul. Are you ready to wrap up season four? This is the moment that you love every time. My favorite, this is the stuff I love is you doing the rundown at the end because you do not have a script. This no is a script. <laughs> Here we, we go. Should have, you should have made this episode two hours and 22 minutes. Well, we're headed that way. <laughs> close. We're, we're on the edge of that. Uh, okay, here we go. Stuff We Love Podcast. We are on Twitter at Stuff We Love Pod, on Instagram at Stuff We Love Podcast. Our website is Stuff We Love Podcast.podbean.com. We have a YouTube channel, a Facebook page. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to us on all those podcast services, whether they be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We are on all of them. And our, web, our email address as well. See, I almost left that out. It's Stuff We Love Podcast at gmail.com. And with that, let me just tell our listeners very quickly the podcast plans. I'll sum it up very briefly because I know we're going long. We're going on a little bit of a break. Season four has ended. Hosts got some travel plans and a lot going on here in summer 2022. So we will be back probably late summer, early September with what will likely be a Disney trip report <laughs> as well as a Disney news show. And uh, in the meantime, we will be posting on social media. And I would encourage all of you to catch up on those episodes you may have missed. And if you have not done so, absolutely essential. I forgot this plug for you guys. The most essential one, Butter and Bacon, the good stuff of Disney podcast. Subscribe to them. Follow them on Twitter. Is it at Butter and Bacon? Is that the, what's the Twitter handle? Yeah, good. That's good. <laughs> um, I, just, I just tweeted something for you, Scott. Okay, that's it. So I will check it after the show. <laughs> Unless you want me to check in now. No, it's okay. Okay. And uh, catch up on Butter and Bacon's back episodes. Some wonderful content on there. That is the most important plug, even more than all the places you can find Stuff We Love podcast. And uh, with that, let's go around the table one more time. And thank you for listening, everyone. I am Scott. I'm Polly. I'm Dean. I'm Nick. And this has been the Stuff We Love podcast. Have a good summer, everyone.